So Brett, have you ever had any interesting neighbors? Uh, I, yeah, I mean, growing up, I didn't know my neighbors too, too well, but we had the lady next door that we called Sheila Shirley, because we could never remember if her name was Sheila or Shirley. And she was an interesting character. She was, she was interesting. Shirley. Yeah, Sheila Shirley. (laughs) Yeah. I, I guess I could say I've had some interesting neighbors. And when I lived in California for a while, I lived in a fourplex. And at one point, uh, my roommate and our above above us neighbor got into a fight. Uh, and it was pretty, it was pretty interesting to, to be a bystander. I, I, Again, I think when people live on top of each other or right next to each other, things get get really interesting. Um, it's 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 I don't know. Neighbors is something where you know so much but so little about the people who live right next to you. Yes. Um, yeah. Actually, when I moved to Austin, I had to call the cops on my neighbors a few times, <laughs> two or three times. I don't think it was the same neighbor For each what? time, but just yelling and fighting and like to the point where I would call the to the to the cops because it was pretty it sounded pretty bad I don't know I just I, I tend to try to mind my own business but sometimes oof what about neighbor romances anybody who's lived near you who you thought I could get with that person no, but the lady who, when I first moved to Austin and I moved into the, the first address that I lived in, she did try to seduce me into taking her into my car and going to the gas station to get cigarettes. And I was like, mm, I think I'm good. Like she was in her robe and she was, you know, I don't know. She was just very flirty and like, hey, let's go get cigarettes. And I was like, mm. I mean, I'm not like super street savvy, but I'm pretty sure that once we get to the gas station, uh, you're going to make me buy your cigarettes or you're going to drive me somewhere where I'm going to get mugged or I don't know. It was kind of creepy, but. Yeah, no, I was thinking more like (laughs) I when I lived when I lived in a dorm in college, there was a really cute Hawaiian boy who lived across from me. <laughs> I mean, stuff like that, Brett. Oh, no, I never had, I never had a, like a... You never had a cute neighbor experience? No. <laughs> no, I haven't. Hmm. I mean, your choice of movie makes a lot of sense now. Right. All right, let's get started. Necromancer. Necromancer. I'm Shira. I'm a fan of rom-coms. I'm Brett. I'm a fan of horror movies. And together each week, Brett picks a horror movie. I pick a rom-com. We make each other watch those movies. And then we like to remix them by turning the horror into a rom-com and the rom-com into a horror. And this week, our theme is Neighbors. 
That's right. Um, yeah, you had a good neighbors is a good topic all around. I don't know if there's a specific reason why you picked it. If maybe we're in quarantine and you're feeling stuck and you're feeling a little nosy or. Well, I think that's part of it too, where, you know, particularly in this time when everybody is stuck at home, you have more chances than ever to observe and interact with your neighbors. So there's, there's that element, but you know, there's also a category within romance of neighbor romances. So there's, of course, roommates and, you know, living together uh, romances, but also falling in love with your neighbor is a popular theme as well. So I, I think it's a really cute proximity set up for a rom-com to have it happen between neighbors because you get to jump right into that lived in quality because you're right next to each other. Yeah. Um, yeah. All of the neighbors, I think the neighbors in both these movies are kind of people who don't really know a lot about the other people, but very quickly you get the sense of who they are and then seeing them interact is really fun. And obviously they get to interact a lot more in what's your number, but in, uh, in rear window, it's a lot more speculation. Um, No, they do a lot of interacting in rear window too, because everybody in that complex loves that little dog, except for, um, (laughs) except for, uh, uh, the, the bad guy. (laughs) Right. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, you get little you get little hints of of interactions there, but uh yeah, I don't know, it's kind of like you have this preconceived notion of who they are, but then again, it's like you also have this opportunity to see them the way no one else sees them. So it's just an interesting dynamic. Right. Yeah. Right, like you get to see your hookups, which is, feels very intimate without knowing anything else about each other. I also think that Neighbors is a great theme for horror, too, because it's like, what is the menace next door? You know, then um, whenever there's a serial killer caught, they always interview the neighbor and the neighbor says things like, well, he was just like a normal guy. I, I don't know. I never would have suspected that he was BTK. <laughs> and then, you know, it turns out that way. So there's always this suspicion that the neighbor could be uh, a villain in disguise. Yeah. It's weird. Um, uh, watching a lot of true crime recently. It's weird that there's some, some true crime stories where you're like dirty John or something where you're thinking, how can this guy just get away with all this crazy stuff? Like flagrantly out in the open. But then you hear some stories where it's like, yeah, I would have never have known this person was doing these incredibly depraved things behind closed doors. And so uh, the crazy person who's just out there is, is definitely one kind of scary, but that hidden danger, the, the neighbor who you wouldn't have expected, that's always, it's always extra creepy. I agree. I I definitely feel like Rear Window capitalizes on that because it's not it's not a serial killing. It's it's a very open and shut case of domestic murder. <laughs> and yeah. if if he hadn't been spying on everybody, then no one would have known. 
No one. So where do you want to start? Mm, I don't know. I feel like I could go either way on this one. Do you have a preference or? You know what? I actually want to talk about what's your number. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Rear Window is more of a slow burn, more of a quiet movie. But there's a lot to say about romance and marriage in Rear Window. I I totally admit, you know, I watched Rear Window when I was a kid and a teenager and and a young adult. And so I wasn't watching it as a mature person, but watching it now being a marriage-minded woman in her 30s, it's Mm -hmm. a lot different than watching it before. So yeah, there's there's a lot to say there too about uh, Jimmy Stewart and Grace Kelly's relationship. Um, but I was surprised to learn that you'd seen What's Your Number previously and you thought, hey, it's cute. Yeah, um, back in the day when I lived in Chicago, uh, in my early to mid-20s, I would movie hop at movie theaters. So I'd go pay for one ticket and spend the day at the movies, just kind of hopping around back and forth. So I watched a lot of I watched a lot of glue movies. This was a glue movie, which is okay. If I want to go see, you know, the new superhero movie and I want to go see the new slasher horror movie, uh, the times don't work out. So I have to see a movie in between. Going to go see what's your number. And yeah, from what I remembered, it was just like a nice, cute, like better than I would have expected little movie. But you know, I don't know. Nothing special. Do you feel that same way now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll get into it. If you have seen or you hadn't seen this movie before. I saw it and I okay, remember yeah. liking it when I saw it, mostly because I really, 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 really like Anna Ferris as a comedic actress. She is one of my favorite comedic actresses ever. If I, you know, somehow achieved my dream and I was writing, directing rom-coms, She'd be the top of my list as someone I would love to work with because she's hilarious. She's charming. She's like the Goldie Hawn of our generation, which sounds unfair to Kate Hudson because she's Mm -hmm. Goldie Hawn's actual daughter. Um, But I'm sorry. It's just Anna Faris is so good comedically. And then I also think that Chris Evans is really great in a rom-com and he's you know, I, I wouldn't say he's our Tom Hanks, but he has a level of comfort as mm-hmm. a romantic lead that is different from people who are just looking at that kind of role as a job. I think that Chris Evans directed and starred in his own rom-com, and I can't remember the name of it right now, but the point I'm trying to make is he is willing to go all in on something like that. Just like Anna Ferris goes all in. There are no half measures between them. I think that the, you know, it, it's kind of, there's some really clever jokes in the movie. Uh, I like the message that it shouldn't matter how many sexual partners you've had. Although the movie eh, kind of mixed messages on that, but I think that it should be very clear that it does not matter how many people you've had sex with as far as your value as a romantic partner or somebody who deserves to be in a loving marriage or relationship. Um, But I, 
I wouldn't, we were thinking of the neighbor's theme. I initially was thinking of doing pillow talk, but I actually think I wouldn't do that for our next episode, which we can maybe tease uh, at the end. Uh, but when I was looking at neighbor romances, this one popped up and I just remembered how much I enjoyed the chemistry between Chris Evans and Anna Ferris, and thought, I want to watch this movie again. So, so let's give it a try. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I definitely, I mean, this is more of the rom-com TM than, you know, than you normally pick. Uh, normally you pick pretty, pretty good rom-coms, but you know, we have to steer into the but, TM area. Okay. But it feels like you're <laughs> equating low quality with the trademark romance rom-com features. Is there a way that you can get rom-com TM that for you is good? I think this is the way to do it for sure. Like everything about this movie says this is just your average, stupid, low bar, low comedy kind of movie. But then you watch Anna Ferris, you watch Chris Evans, you watch a lot of the side people who are popping up and you just see everyone have fun with it. And you see all these goofy moments and, and silly things that's like, uh, you know what? I am. I'm just here to have a good time. Um, so, yeah, it's I, I like watching their romance, Anna Ferris and Chris Evans' romance, like, blossom. And it's so obvious that they're perfect together. But then, like, you know exactly where the movie's going. But then it, it I don't know. But that's not the point. Again, the suspense doesn't come from the surprise of who she's going to end up with, but how we're going to get there. And I think that that rule also applies to thrillers and scares as well. The suspense doesn't come from being shocked or surprised about what comes around the corner but knowing and dreading that something's coming around the corner and there's nothing you can do to stop it, knowing that this end game is going to happen, but then being frustrated by the obstacles that get in its way and having to be patient with the, you know, you have to watch these characters learn and come to each other. Uh, yes, I do agree with that. Um, yeah, you want to get into what's your number? Tell me the story, Brett. Mm, well, so Ellie, obviously, um, her name is Allie Darling, which I thought Ellie? was insane. Insane good or insane bad? I mean, just insane in general. I mean, Darling is, I mean, it's the name of the family in Peter Pan. And I think I've read one other book where Darling is a last name, but it's still just the most nuts last name for a real person. I don't know any real darlings. Right. And they say yeah. to kill your darlings. Oh no, no. That's a, <laughs> yeah, that's a remix for you. Kill your darlings. Um, so Ailey wakes up, her and her asshole vegan boyfriend break up. Zachary Quinto. Yeah. Very good. Um, he plays a good vegan asshole boyfriend. Uh, Joel McHale, her asshole boss, fires her. Some asshole lady on the subway tells her basically that she's a whore. Uh, Ailey gets drunk at her sister's wedding. I think it's the wedding rehearsal, right? Yeah, and then they have like a bachelorette night out type of deal. 
Yeah, so she makes a fool of herself at the rehearsal, and you know she she kind of discovers that maybe her quote unquote number, the number of guys she slept with, is maybe a little bit higher than everyone else's, even though it's not really that bad of a number. It's honestly um, not that high. No, so but I think I don't know. I think that's where the movie kind of is like. You know, it it kind of eats its cake and has it too. It's like, yeah, it's a high number, but it's not that high. You know, it's like, it's something that a woman might freak out about, but it's something that ultimately shouldn't matter. Also, we're not talking, we're talking about sex. We're not talking about blowjobs. Like the blowjob number could be, you know, triple digits. Who knows? Right. I feel like, yeah, like that would, that would be a Kevin Smith deleted scene is talking about all the different. But that's shitty too. You shouldn't care how many BJs she's given. You shouldn't care how many guys she's had sex with. None of that matters. No. So I did like at the end of the wedding rehearsal scene when she goes to cheers that one guy with the bottle of champagne and she just breaks his glass. Like (laughs) it's such an awkward scene, but it's kind of tame. But then, like, just having having a physical gag to release the tension, like having a jump scare to release the tension, is a really good choice. Like, this movie has a lot of just, like, really awkward scenes that just get released with the right amount of tension. And you're like, oh, right, this is basically a sitcom pilot. And this movie is basically a sitcom pilot and season finale scrunched together. And you could imagine if this was an actual show, every week we'd go and meet another person, you know, like a a date of the week, a, an ex-boyfriend of the week. Which um, is why Anna Ferris is in a sitcom with Allison Janney called Mom. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> um, and so Ellie tries to play a completely made-up game of what's your number and is immediately called out for being with 19 men. Uh, she makes a promise toast that she will be super picky for her next choice of lover and that that person will no doubt be her future husband. And I have a question for you. Is is ripping magazine articles and pictures, is that a, is that a, is that a lady thing? Because I know you specifically mentioned it in Cats and Dogs last week when she ripped out the photo. Oh, well, because Thurman. she's obsessed with her no but i think that there is a theme among women of reading magazines and you know at lots of the places where women frequent these magazines are just laying around so if you are bored and you just want to take a quiz you can now i mean taking it seriously to the level she takes it that's you know part of the high reality the high reality comedy um but women's magazines and then women's influence and judgment of each other i think this movie captures really well i think that's the other thing that i like about this movie is honestly the guys are auxiliary to the relationships between her and her friends and her mm-hmm. and her mom, that's the main source of judgment and slut-shaming in her life, really. And nothing to do with the men, with the exception of one, but you'll get to that. Right. Uh, so then very funny series of cuts as we go from Ailey going, I'm going to be super picky about my next husband, uh, to number 20, the 20th guy she will be sleeping with. A few drinks later, and she is just flagrantly celebrating 220. 
And of course, she wakes up next to her asshole boss, Joel McHale, and her boss is a total dick. Uh, 6A. Is he smelling his ass? No, I think his balls. He's smelling his balls. (laughs) So weird. Um, And so... So 6A, the neighbor next door, comes in, sort of knocks on the door, sort of invites himself in, left his, you know, locked himself out of his apartment. Uh, Chris Evans is super awesome in this movie. He picks up on some signals right away from Ailey that she does not like her boss. So he comes up with the tenant meeting excuse. And it's very, you know, very kind of cute. And already you can see that he's on a whole nother level than these asshole guys. Joel McHale plays a great asshole when he picks her up and gives her the kiss goodbye. She's so much shorter than him. <laughs> so much. It's so funny. And then uh, I like the line, you know, where Chris Evans says, you're a peach. She says he's a pig. Uh, then we cut to eating cake with her sister. And I like the line finger smelling fuck. That's a good line. Um <laughs> Ailey runs into her ex, which is Disgusting Doug, who, of course, was... I don't know if he was... I think it's Disgusting Donald. Oh, Disgusting Donald. And then is was um, Chris Pratt her husband at this point, or not yet? Yes. I think part of the joke is that they are is married in married? real life. Gotcha. Which is very sitcom-y. It's very How I Met Your Mother. They do yeah. that all the time. Uh, so, yeah, but Disgusting Donald is... Not Hot so disgusting now. anymore. Yeah. And so maybe he would be perfect for her, only he's getting married. Uh-oh. However, this actually gets a little plan brewing inside uh, Ellie's head, which is what if instead of going over 20 to find her next or to find her potential husband, she goes back to visit the previous 20. And what if one of them is the perfect husband? I think this is a great, this is 30 minutes into the movie. And we've got all the gimmicks set up. We've got all the key players set up. She's like, doing a high fidelity. Yeah, this is, I, I don't like high fidelity. <laughs> but, <laughs> Neither do I. <laughs> yeah, but this, I mean, this is like, yeah, if this was a real movie or a serious movie, I, I could probably be a little bit more nitpicky. And the filmmaking is a little, it's like it's, as I've said before, comedy and cinematic stuff doesn't always go quite hand in hand like this movie does it's about the actors yeah but it's it's a good movie so we've got the facebook montage scene where she makes a list and then she basically bullies her neighbor colin 6a to um to she bullies him to help track down her exes so she goes into the room while he's got a date or, you know, the next morning after, and she, like, panics him out of the room saying that their father is in the hospital or, or something like that. And I like the line, you help me track down my exes, I'll help you escape yours. Like, yeah, that's the movie. That's the premise of the movie summed up in one little line. Very nice, very sweet, mm-hmm. very short. Uh, it's in so the trailer, get, probably. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> so then we get Chris Evans eating a sandwich. And he, I like when he she calls even him, eats sandwiches hot. Oh, so hot. And so when I like when he's like balancing on the sidewalk and he's got his, you know, his like, she calls him a teenager at one point. And I'm like, yeah, he's got this very teenager vibe to him. He's wearing cargo shorts and he's the (laughs) only man I've seen wear cargo shorts without looking 12. Right. He's he's got a very. uh, Yeah. So the first ex that we meet that he finds is a magician and we get these 
funny little like flashback scenes of how she quote unquote fell in love with them and bedded them and so we have the quarter behind your ear and then there's a whole handful of quarters in her (laughs) i liked that it's very funny it's very silly i mean this movie is a silly movie it knows what it's going for well anna ferris is also really game so every flashback scene she's completely in it (laughs) yeah she i mean she is just a mess of a person who is (laughs) She's she's down to clown with any weird, gross guy, any sleazy magician that comes along. Uh, but she has insecurities about meeting a magician bartender, failed magician guy. So they go back to uh, Chris Evans's room and we see more about his Facebook stuff. We see the board. You know, he made her a Facebook. He makes a board full of all the X's with all the you know, the conspiracy theory lines and everything. I like the mountain man little gimmick. We get some little foreshadows of some of the crazy people she's been with. Uh, They have a little date night. John Kimball is also on the board for some reason. Oh, I didn't see that. That (laughs) I was like the kindergarten cop. (laughs) (laughs) The potty pooper. And so, yeah, then uh, Chris Evans and and, um, Anna Ferris start to have a little bit of a date night stuff. They kind of are starting to flirt and get along. Then they go to an open house where they're going to meet some British guy, but they accidentally meet Donald again. And it's a very funny little scene. Like it's just got some great little visual gags. And I like how they both leave their garbage on his table. Um, It's just very silly. And then we meet Martin Freeman. Very surprised to see him in this movie. Uh, And we get the funny little scene with Anna Faris in her sloppy British accent that just, completely deteriorates over the course of drinking through the night fringe is british for bangs (laughs) (laughs) um and so yeah then we start to meet more of the exes and how they're all wrong we get andy samberg as a puppeteer and that puppeteer flashback is great (laughs) he's great uh we get thomas lennon oh we meet more of the mom and the dad we get the mom and dad drama they don't like each other the dad's got a younger thing going on and yeah all that stuff but anna ferris goes to miami to meet thomas lennon who's not a gynecologist and it's such a weird gross scene where thomas lennon is like oh yeah i recognize you because of your vagina but just the way he plays it and then we cut to her line he recognized my vagina like it's so (laughs) funny (laughs) it's great because you get this you know it's the theme right of her coming back up the stairs in defeat as chris evans is on the stairwell looking at her like well what happened this time and he recognized me by my vagina that's what happened (laughs) yeah like that's uh anna ferris plays a good crazy lady Uh, she's very good at that crazy energy uh and then we meet the falcon captain america and the falcon hanging out before they were avengers Uh, Although they don't meet in this movie. But yeah, so Anthony Mackie is one of her exes. He's super awesome. They're great together. You Uh, mean the Black Republican? Yeah, the Black (laughs) Republican. And he, uh, they they basically decide that they're going to take over the whole town together because they're so perfect for each other, except, uh uh-oh, he's gay. So that kind of puts an end to that one. Um, 
And then we do some like more date night stuff that's very typical sitcom y uh rom com TM material stuff of like strip basketball at Madison Square cute, Garden. That was such a cute scene. She was so cute in it. He was so cute in it. <laughs> and then they got naked and it was perfect. It's again, like if I was being super critical, I feel like I could put on a critic hat and be pouty about this movie, but no. I like seeing Anna Ferris and Chris Evans hang out at Madison Square Garden playing hoops. It's it's fun. Uh, they jump into the river. They have a super sexy scene where they talk about, you know, like, oh, women are always taking my shirts. And she's like, maybe it's maybe they plan on giving them back. And he's like, so you're saying that I should just take my shirt back? And like, oh, it's it's pretty sexy. <laughs> it's pretty hot. And then I like that there was a boundaries moment where yeah. she didn't want to go all the way. And he was totally cool with that. And they just kept kissing. Yeah, he was he was kind of pushy about it, but he was pushy in like the most good the Chris Evans's whole role in this movie is like what if you took all the bad traits about a good guy but they were actually good traits. You know what I mean? Does what that do make sense? No, no it doesn't. You're going to have to explain. So, I don't know. It's like he she says no to him and then he kind of is like being funny with her about like, Oh, come on. But he doesn't really mean it because at the end of the day, he's like, Hey man, I'm sexy. You're sexy. We should totally be down to fuck, but I get it. You don't want to right now. We don't have to right now. It's totally cool. So it's like, I don't know. He seems like a very, it almost seems like he's the he's the equivalent of Mary and there's something about Mary where like, there's not really women who, who are like that, like a character of that. He is a male Mary. Yeah. So he's like a male Mary. So he's, I don't know. He's got all these exaggerated qualities that kind of are played as like, oof, he's such a man slut. But at the same time, it's like, no, he's really super cool. Um, and so, yeah, this is actually where some of the trouble comes in because Chris Evans is not the guy, kind of guy you end up with. He's the kind of guy you date before the guy you end That's up with. That's just what her stupid, dumb friends were saying. This is, again, we're coming back to the real conflict in the movie, which <laughs> is the way that women shame each other and prevent each other from having happiness because they're so judgy. Yeah, she should be more accepting of our friends. She makes the mistake. She she quote unquote dumps him for a very bad, selfish reason. But then later we get the good groveling scene where she has to come back and say, hey, I made a bad choice. He did lie to her, though. So tell so tell us how he lied. Tell 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 the children how Chris Evans lied. So one of the big things throughout the movie is that we don't really know who this Jake Adams guy is. I the mean, we kind of first boyfriend, the, the first, first love, right? And so we kind of know who he is, which is like this super famous, rich, famous, <clears throat> super rich, famous guy. But like, how is Anna Ferris ever going to get up to this super rich, famous guy? Well, turns out Chris Evans did get a text from him saying that he wants to meet up with her and. Chris Evans did not share that text because he was afraid he couldn't compete with someone as super charming and suave and perfect as Jake Adams. 
And so but he needed to let her make that choice. You're right. No, you're yeah, you're absolutely right. He did do a bad thing. But in she the, overreacted. Like, in the typical rom-com fashion, it's like his bad thing wasn't didn't warrant the, you know, they they have to split them up to get them back together, right? This is the formula. Uh I I really kind of was I don't want to say this to be mean about the guy who played Jake Adams, but I kind of was hoping that that would be like a big name celebrity cameo. <laughs> what if that's what they wanted, but then they couldn't afford him? That's I, I. That's probably what happened, if I had to guess. Because it seemed like they were building him up and building him up and building him up. And then when we see him and it's just kind of generic white guy, you're like, oh. Maybe that's the joke, where it's like Could she's be. been building up this guy so much and he's the most generically handsome white dude ever. Yeah, they have the joke about the guy, Mark Miller or something, and how there's 8 million of them in the U.S. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, Jake Adams is perfect. He's basically the best person ever. Uh, most importantly, Anna Ferris's mom loves him, loves him so much. Uh, but Chris Evans, you know, uh, I, I like this scene where Chris Evans is basically calling her out on it and saying, you don't know what you want. You're just doing what everyone else thinks you want. Like, yeah, that's a very, that's a very, uh, astute observation like she kind of takes on the the gim she kind of takes on the energy of her lovers right that's true i mean they both kind of give it to each other she gets on him for being a commitment phobe and for not uh chilling when it comes to just doing work gigs and cover cover songs to make a buck like maybe you shouldn't try to be a starving artist so much. Yeah, I wouldn't know anything about that. But uh, <laughs> but then I do like it when she's like, yeah, you, but what about you? You know, if, if you slept with me, you would just be gone. And he's like, that was true until I met you. So it's like, oh, they should be together. At this point in the movie, I am kind of like, all right, kiss and make up. Let's wrap it up, guys. <laughs> Uh, but it goes on for just a little bit longer. We go to the wedding scene there. They have this, the, the scene where Chris Evans and Anna Ferris dance to that song when he plays the song and she's dancing to it once, twice, three times a lady. That was, that was really cringy. <laughs> but then the wedding scene, they do the callback. She realizes she loves Chris Evans. So she takes the wedding list. So now she has a new list to find her perfect man. And she goes. To, oh, I didn't think about that. I yeah. didn't realize that it was meant to be symmetrical with her list. Oh, yeah, it's very cute. A list, but one man. Right. And so now she's going down the list. We get the uh, the Donald callback, which is very funny. Like, you know, if if you're gonna have one note characters like that, yeah, that that's how you use them. That's how you do a running gag in a movie. Um, but the best part about the the big wedding get back together scene is that anytime you have a wedding, a a get back together scene at a wedding, you always hit that cringy kind of moment where you're like, are these two side characters going to take over the happiest moment of these other characters lives? You know, like, isn't that a little selfish, but I like that Anna Ferris and Chris Evans kind of go off to the side of a wedding and you get all the big applause and romance of the wedding without them actually taking over you know, the spectacle of the wedding. So that was like, you know, again, like this movie is, uh, it's cute. 
It's very cute. It's very cute. I also like that they lampshaded the whole chase thing when she was climbing over the fence and she yeah. said, I could have just waited for him <laughs> in his apartment. What am I doing? Yeah, it's uh, but yeah, at that point you're all in. You gotta sneak into the wedding. You gotta you gotta say it now. You gotta make that grand romantic gesture. Right, but this isn't a movie that doesn't understand what they're doing. They're like, right. we know exactly what we're doing. We know that this is yeah. silly, but we're all in. And then I also liked that the groveling speech basically was them saying, I was an asshole. No, I was an asshole. We were both assholes. We're sorry, which I, yeah. I, I really enjoyed the the symmetry of that as well. Yeah, because my problem is... In some of the movies that we've watched that I haven't been a big fan of, like Notting Hill or maybe Truth About Cat and Dogs. I can't remember the, the scene in that movie. But, like, there's always a scene where the the lady goes to grovel to the man. And then the man's got to get that one final knife twist in where he's like, "I, you messed up, so too bad. And it's like... Why you got to be a dick just to extend the movie and have an even more grander reuniting scene? Like, no, in this movie, they're both like, hey, sorry. Yeah, me too. Okay, we still like each other. Boom, together. Right. That that would have been insane if, yeah. you know, after she did all of that, <laughs> Chris Evans said, no. No. <laughs> um but yeah then we get the little tag at the end of the movie where aziz and sorry calls and basically says like hey you actually didn't sleep with me it was just a really awkward hand job that you gave me and uh so then she's happy because her 20th man ended up being the perfect man for her so it's you know again it's like at the end of the movie, it doesn't matter gets, though. <laughs> right at the end of the movie, she gets exactly what she wanted, but at that point, it doesn't matter to her. So it's just a funny, silly little tag at the end. And right, it's like when they get the call from the priest in The Conjuring. Yeah, 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 yeah. The uh, yeah, and so I don't know. Again, like maybe, maybe I'm just mumbling. Maybe I'm beta male Hugh Granting my way through my my appreciation of this movie. But yeah, it was like. I mean, I don't know. There's uh, like the the bad way to say this about this movie is it was a made for TV kind of movie. But the good way to say it is like it kind of was just like a sitcom pilot that didn't need 25 episode seasons. <laughs> like I got all that I needed to from this hour and 45 minutes. And it was a good, enjoyable ride. Whether it was made for TV or made for theaters, I feel like it was made for me because <laughs> I will watch any rom-com where Anna Ferris is the lead. And I felt like this one was well worth my time. And God, Chris Evans just has this just perfect chest hair fan. And he spends so much time in this movie nude or shirtless. Oh, yeah. Um my favorite thing, I don't know if this is a kind of character or not. Like, I know we have Bellamy and we have names for all these rom-com heroes. I don't know how you would classify Chris Evans in this movie because he's kind of got... He's an alpha. That's He's a straight-up alpha type. Uh... Or would you say he's more like a cinnamon roll? 
No, I don't like he's got this kind of he's got this kind of vibe where it's like he like he's confident but not cocky, but he is cocky, but not when it counts. He's like, asking her why she hasn't slept with him. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, here's two good looking people who really like each other and you know it shouldn't matter like that adult idea of like, oh, we shouldn't just be like no, they clearly like each other right from the beginning. And why can't you? But then at the same time, if they did, maybe they wouldn't have the same relationship. She didn't sleep with him because she knew he was a fuckboy. She lives right across from him. She'd seen exactly what kind of dude he was. What's wrong with that kind of dude, Shira? What's wrong? There's nothing wrong (laughs) with that kind of dude if you're just looking for a good time guy. But Anna Ferris wanted a relationship. She wanted a commitment. She wanted a guy to stay for breakfast and go with her to her sister's wedding. Yeah. And that's Chris Evans. Mm-hmm. But, but, no, he, so I, but Chris Evans didn't know he was that kind of guy until they spent time together not having sex. Right. And so he at like he's a very cocky guy, but he's charming. And he like he has this kind of say la vie zen vibe about him that i you know what i mean like he's a guy who doesn't really he's a sitcom character he doesn't really have a job that he needs like he doesn't have to worry about income all he has to do is find these people for this lady and then just hang out with her and go yeah how did your date go and he gets to hang out with this cool lady And so he kind of like the more he realizes the situation he's in, I think the more he's willing to accept that they would be a good match than she is. And she even turns him. She's the one who turns him down and says, you're the guy I'm with before the guy I end up with. And he's like, no, yeah, that was true until this moment right now. And then she basically turns turns her back on him first. And so then he's like. He do, again, he doesn't twist the knife in. He doesn't go like, well, fine, you're a bitch, man. He's like, fine, I get it. You want to be with this guy? I made a mistake. Like, I, I don't know the I don't know the name for it. I would still say that he's within the alpha category, but he's the opposite of what I sometimes refer to as the starchy hero or a starchy male protagonist. So someone who's starchy is rigid, is rule oriented, doesn't like to get messy or dirty or lose control like Ben Stiller in There's Something About Mary. And a lot of movies where Ben Stiller's the romantic lead is almost always starchy and very regimented and and doesn't like to lose control or a Woody Allen type would be like that too. And then Chris Evans character is the opposite of that. He's easygoing. He's laid back. He, you know, is kind of a trickster. uh, And, but yeah, I still think that he fits in with the alpha mode I think especially with his womanizing and his sort of easygoing player thing, that's just a very common alpha hero prototype uh, feature. Or sorry, yeah. stereotype or trope, whatever um, you want to call it. I just, I, I think one of the things I thought of, I don't know if, if 
this makes sense uh, is did you get like kind of a Paul Newman esque vibe or am I just way off? No, I think that that's a good way of describing, you know, because there's different types, right? You know, I think people think alpha and they think, you know, Christian gray billionaire, crazy guy. Um, But there are different shades, you know, there's also, you know, the man's man, Robert Redford type too. Um, But yeah, I think, Paul Newman is a great comparison because Paul Newman just has this very natural way about him. Um, yeah, I, I feel like that that's a good comparison as far as his kind of charisma and charm. Yeah, he's a character who knows that everything's going to work out for him. So he's just enjoying the ride. Right. Um, yeah. I think Robert Downey Jr. kind of brings a little bit of that madcap charm to his characters, too. Yeah. Yeah, he's definitely got that more, like, he he plays that more frantic energy. Yeah, no, he's a little bit more crazy. Yeah. (laughs) More drugged out. (laughs) Um. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm sure that there's a few people in this movie who you had your sights on to, uh, to cross them off the list. Everyone who's getting in the way of me and Chris Evans being together. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) No. no. Um, Actually, if we're just going by this movie, I would say that uh, I would kill Jake Adams because I... I think it's really gross if a guy is fixated on being the first and, you know having her virginity like the way he was like and i was the one who ruined you for the village it's just like a gag no as a man as a human being the idea of being turned on or obsessed with virginity is just so icky to me yeah uh we got a little we got a little bit of that in um lady eve too right when she Oh, when yeah, goes, when he slut-shames her for yeah. all of her made-up partners. Yeah, that was really good. But, uh, yeah, in I that movie... I think more than 20, though. I think that we yeah. were meant to assume that she's just going on and on and on. <laughs> yeah, and that it's it, it definitely fits his character, but in this, it's... Um, I, I agree, it's very gross when he just kind of fixates on that. And But it's obvious, you know, he's perfect in every aspect except for... Pretty much every aspect. <laughs> what um, about you? Who'd you kill? Uh, I mean, I, 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 I say maybe the mom. If you're gonna kill Jake, I'll kill the mom. That way, we can just get them both out of the way. The mom was mean and dumb and stupid. I mean, she, she was, was a good rom com. Very mom. negative. Right. She was very negative. I think that um, the uh, the witch from Penelope would have her work cut out for her with uh, Allie's mom. She could cast a nice little curse. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so how did you do on your horror version of What's Your Number? I found both of these pretty hard. but um, Really? Oh, yeah. But um, I just kind of went with broad strokes on them. For What's Your Number, the horror movie version, I have one and only. Ooh. Ooh, I like that you stuck with the number theme. Yeah, of course. 
So, uh, again, this is just very broad stroke stuff. I, I cast my movie this time. Interesting. Um, so, did you ever see Ready or Not, the the wedding horror slasher movie? No, but it keeps popping up on my feed because I think it's on streaming now. Uh, it could be. Um, yeah, Samara Weaving is in that. So, I would basically just make her the main character of my movie. Um, Ready or Not was pretty good. And my movie is going to center around a cult leader who's called the captain. And and no one has seen the captain. That's the one thing. But we get videos of him. So he does like video diaries or some kind of videotapes. And Chris Evans plays the captain um, because he's Captain America. And so basically he's got this like compound that where he's going to start a cult and he's looking for his spouse to be married with him and to be with him. And whoever that spouse is going to be is going to have like insane power because he's going to be in charge of his own cult. And so we just kind of get like the cult isn't going to be super powerful, but it's just one of those cults that's like maybe a step or two below Scientology where it's like, People know it's crazy, but no one takes them seriously enough to the point where they can just dismantle it. Um, right. And so the whole compound is basically going to be all women. And so all of these of women. Of course it is. Of course it is. All of these women are going to be secretly trying to manipulate their way into meeting the captain. Because whoever gets to meet him gets to be with him and gets to take over and be all powerful or, you know, whatever. And so I've got a few people here that I want to cast. I want to cast, uh, I don't know how to say her name, Gina Serrano, Gina Carano, Serrano, the, the cyborg. MMA fighter. The MMA fighter. Yeah. She's going to be like not a cyborg, but um, uh, cyborg is, um, she has a different name. Gotcha. Um, I forget. I, I just know her as cyborg, but yeah. Uh, Gina Carano is also an excellent, MMA fighter and fun actress. I I enjoy her work. Yeah, I liked her in Haywire. Haywire is a very good hidden gem. Haywire is fun. Soderbergh movie, yeah. And so she's going to be like the security guard kind of person. Uh, I'm going to have a groundskeeper, Clea Duvall from... I blanked out. The Faculty? Yes, Clea Duvall from The Faculty. Uh, So we're going to throw her in there, and she's going to be like this chain-smoking, you know, groundskeeper, kind of like I watch after the place. Like, she's kind of maybe at one point she was in contention to win this big contest thing that these women have going on. But now she's just kind of like, she just she's creepy, and she pops up, you know, in in these creepy spots and times, and she's kind of shady. But then we have the goddess. The goddess is going to be kind of like maybe a muse type character. And I'm thinking Mila Jovovich. Interesting. Very good. Uh, I'm thinking an assassin character who's like an undercover CIA operative whose mission is to kill the the captain. And so that would be Jennifer Garner. Get some uh, alias, get some alias vibes back in here. And of course she would like get caught halfway through or something and be killed or excommunicated. What about reprogrammed? Could be. Yeah. Could be. Maybe she gets lobotomized. Fate and death. Yes. I like that. Uh, I'm thinking the ex who is there to like specifically manipulate her way into 
surpassing the captain. So like she doesn't want to just be his wife. She wants to be his wife and then kill him and be the queen of the compound. And she wants to be the new cult leader. And so I'm thinking Renee Russo because she was great in Nightcrawler as this like sharp, evil lady. Uh, Yeah. And then bodyguard, like the sort of number one, person on can on the compound who is like the number one lady who you gotta beat and of course eva green uh she's gonna be the bodyguard she's gonna be the number one baddie to beat eva green everything everything for sure uh and so you have all these characters you have all these situations i'm thinking maybe like dinner like there's a like every night they gather around for dinner and they have to like pretend to like each other but every night they do a different role in prepping for dinner so like you know we we see our main character ailey do different tasks with different women in different capacities and so we get we get all these like little side motivations and stuff for all these characters but then the whole idea is that they all want to be number one, the one and only woman for this guy. And then at the end of the movie, they have to like, they all get an envelope like bachelor kind of style. And they have to like unveil their envelopes and whoever has number one wins. And so Ailey ends up winning. She gets number one, but it turns out in order to win, like you don't want to win because Chris Evans, the man who is the captain, he's not actually the captain. He's just an actor who's basically just reading his lines. And the captain is really this like old, disgusting guy who like lives in a cave and he wants immortality. So we're going to go like disgusting Donald. Yes. Disgusting Donald. And so I'm going to have this like really gross old man, kind of like uh, the the grandmother in Texas Chainsaw 2, who's like bound to the chair and like she's become so old and part of the chair. And so they throw her into a tomb with with the captain. And so it's sort of like Wicker Man style sealed in and all the women are like going to sacrifice the two people so that they can be together forever in the afterlife. So we're just going to throw all this like wicker man kind of conspiracy stuff in there. But Ailey ends up escaping from the tomb and she finds these underground tunnels. And it turns out Clea Duvall, the shady groundskeeper person has been like basically rigging this entire compound up to be a bomb. And somehow like they all have, she's Shawshank redemptioning it. Right. Well, so yeah, Ellie escapes the tomb. She's not supposed to. She escapes the tomb. And then during the ceremony where they're going to quote unquote kill Ellie in the tomb with the guy and seal them forever, they are all wearing maybe these like tiaras, these metal tiaras or something. And then we do something, something, something where we combine water with electricity. And basically Samara Weaving has to flick a switch and and basically all these tiaras that these women are wearing to like be part of this wicker man ceremony they all get zapped and their heads explode and that's the end of the movie i like that you ended on a bunch of people's heads exploding yep would you cover Samara weaving in blood would you give her a blood baptism like um, oh yeah the descent 
Yeah, like the descent or Carrie, or I think she has a blood baptism in Ready or Not. She has a mm-hmm. yeah. So you can't. I mean, what is a final girl without a bucket of blood, right? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, you, you aren't a final girl unless you're you're covered with blood, human or pigs. Agreed. So, how about you? How how did you find turning? this neighborly love story into one of horror. So, uh, I was not as creative as you with the name. I just called it a number of murders. Okay. <laughs> you know, cause there are a, a number of murders that take place. So Allie Darling has just been fired from her job and doesn't think her life could get any worse But then that night, she gets drunk and sleeps with the boss that fired her. It's uneventful, and then she makes him leave early the next day. Um, But then things take a turn when she receives a phone call from the police later that day because her boss has been murdered. Allie goes to the police station. She meets the detective investigating the murder, Colin Shea as played by Chris Evans. Mm, What a snack. Um, Mm -hmm. And then Colin asks Allie a bunch of questions, but she doesn't know her boss that well. Um, But when Allie, when Colin asks Allie, if she knows anyone named Tom Piper, she says that she dated a Tom Piper. And then Colin reveals that the most recent murder has the same signature as Tom's murder, with the only link being Allie. She's Mm. freaked out. She thinks they suspect her, but then, he clears her confusion saying that it's she has an alibi, but they need to have a list now of all of her previous sexual partners uh, because that's the only pattern that they have. And she at first is like, God, I, that's super personal. I can't give that to her. But he being a good guy is like, I'm not here to judge you. I've had sex with 300 people, which she's like, ew. And then he says, well, now you're slut shaming me. Meh. <laughs> Um, so 300 is kind of a lot though. I mean, Will Chamberlain, right, claims that it was even more. And then we talked about, um, Schumacher really had a high body count. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but then, so they go over the list of all the guys and then they find that some of them have already been murdered in the same way. Uh, so somebody is definitely going after her exes. Uh, and Colin tells Allie that she's going to need to meet and talk with the guys so that he can trail them at the same time and look out for any subject, any suspects. Uh, and, you know, he tells her, just act like you're on some kind of quest to reconnect with your boyfriends because that's what people do all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she also starts to receive creepy warnings at home, like crushed roses, dirty mm. shoes, and then other props that you'd find at an abstinence seminar. Hmm. Hmm. You know, isn't that such a fucked up thing for people to do to like crush flowers and show dirty shoes and say, this is what your body will be like if you lose your virginity before marriage. It's just so, it's bad, bad message. I'm going to be honest. I didn't quite know that that was a thing. Well, you grew up in New York, right? 
Yeah. So at my school, we had abstinence-only sex education. They weren't even allowed to teach us about condoms or birth control. It was abstinence-only. Your virginity is a treasure. In a health class, my health teacher handed out roses to everyone and talked about our special flower and how we should reserve it for somebody we love. Like this, these kind of messages get drilled into people's heads really young and it's kind of shitty. Um, but yeah, so she's freaked out. And so Colin starts sleeping over. Even in a horror movie, I, I really just love this Colin Alley romance. Um, so boyfriends are kind of the, they're dead ends, but there's one boyfriend on the list that uh, Colin hasn't gotten to yet, Jake Adams. Finally, they get his info, and then Allie goes to meet him, but then Jake totally charms her, and Allie doesn't think that Jake knows anything about the killings. However, Colin has really bad feelings, and then he and Allie get into an argument, and she makes him leave when he says that he suspects that Jake is the one who's the killer. And she's not going to take that. So Allie takes Jake to her sister's wedding. And while they're in Allie's room, Jake starts talking about high school and taking her virginity. Uh, And then Allie goes along with the story. But the way he talks about her virginity is really creepy. Uh, And then Jake says, well, that's how I wish it was. But you took that away from me when you gave away your gift to Jerry, that puppet dork. And then he's like, I had so much fun ending him. And she realizes that Jake is the killer. A struggle ensues. He tries to kill Allie while shouting things like, you ruined it. Your virginity was supposed to be mine. You know, look what you made me do. Look Look at all those people you killed (laughs) with your, with your whorishness, you know, just like the complete manifestation of everything that's toxic about abstinence culture. Um, And then she's able to push Jake out a window and call for help. Colin comes, they forgive each other for being assholes, and Jake Adams is arrested for all the murders. I like it. Awesome. (laughs) So, this episode is the first episode where we're going to try something a little bit different, which is splitting up our movies into two parts. So this would be the end of part one. So we'll give you a little love bite and we'll talk to you about where you can find us and then see you in part two when we talk about Rear Window. So, Brett, where can people find us? Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. On Facebook and Twitter, we are Necromancer Pod. On Instagram, we are... The, the Necromancer ne- Podcast. The Necromancer Podcast. Uh, if you want to email us, send in any feedback or critiques or questions, necromancerpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, hit us up on any of those socials. Leave us reviews. Leave us stars. Leave us all of that good stuff. The more you share, the more visibility we see, and the more m- movies we can make. And by make, I mean write down remix right, right. <laughs> have fun with um yeah so i think i think that's it right 
those are all the places we can be reached. And again, we would love to be reached by you. Now it is time for Love Bites, where we recommend stuff that we're into. What do you got for us this week? Okay, so you've heard of Tony Danza. Of course I've heard of Tony Danza. Of course. I knew who Tony Danza was, but I don't know if I've ever seen anything Tony Danza's really been in at all, ever. Uh, the movie Don John by Joseph Gordon-Levitt, that, like, that might have been the only thing I knew Tony Danza from. I just I knew him as a actor by reputation, but he kind of was before my time. Like I didn't I, I never watched him in anything. But Sonya's going through and she's watching a little sitcom called Who's the Boss, which, again, like, what, like, what's your number? I just would have assumed is your average run-of-the-mill stupid little show. Uh, but, man, Who's Your Boss is a freaking great show. <laughs> or Who's the Boss. Who's the Boss is freaking great. I think all the characters in the show are great. I think everyone who's in the show is great. But Tony Danza is on a whole nother level. His pure infectious charm is it's it, it, to quote to quote tom cruise in night and day it is sublime uh <laughs> i i freaking i am so in love with tony danza in this show man he's like you know he plays the housekeeper so in the 80s he's this tough macho italian ex-ball player i mean in real life he's an ex-boxer kind of guy but yet he's the one who's going around the house cooking and cleaning and taking care of the house and he freaking loves it and he's like yeah i get to hang out at this house rent free i get to hang out with my daughter and this other cool kid i get to be around you know like i get to support the people that i like like he's just having a ball and he's he's so infectious with his pure charm uh it reminded me of cheers i i had never seen cheers until recently like i'd seen an episode or two but i never actually sat down to watch it and ted danson man like i never knew the pure charm of ted danson until i went back to watch cheers and this this like ah if i could go back in time i would put tony danza and ted danson in a movie together and have them buddy cop the shit out of that movie <laughs> that sounds like fun yeah so who's the boss who is the boss who indeed? I think it's Tony, but Sonia says it's Angela. I will need to watch Who's the Boss to find out myself. It's good. It's good. So how about you? What um, What's your little love bite, little love snack for us? Well, you know that I love to recommend along our theme... And my absolute favorite neighbor romance of all time is a little book called What Happens in London by Julia Quinn. And it's a historical romance novel that takes place in, um, I guess it would be the 1800s, but the the woman and man are neighbors and she keeps looking into his apartment and seeing him do weird stuff. So she starts to get really curious about him. He of course notices very quickly that she's watching him and their interactions with each other are, are really funny. 
the book also has some great uh, funny side characters. Uh, there's one of my favorite comedic scenes in a book is in What Happens in London. And it takes place during a reading where one character is reading out a book while the couple is in the next room trying to hook up. And it's just escalating actions that lead to funnier and funnier consequences and more and more people get involved. It's just such a clever, funny little book. Uh, and I would say that if you've never read a romance before and you're looking for uh, that gateway or a good starter, I would say start with what happens in London because it's very well written. That is right. All right. Well, we will see you in part two for Rear Window. Necromancer is produced by Brett Dorman and Shira Moore. The theme song is Symphonia 3 by Kevin McLeod on the album Oddities.